The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies for another week. And, uh, well, in horse racing this week, let's face it, it doesn't get any bigger. We are going into the Belmont Stakes with a horse that has a chance to wear the triple crown. And we will find out if American Pharaoh can build a new racing empire for the Zayats. And so I brought in three top experts uh, that have been on the show before uh, that you're probably well aware of. And I brought them in because they are top handicappers because the Belmont card is phenomenal. And uh, we're going to start with uh, the well-known voice and handicapper, Mike Battaglia, is going to be with us. Uh, then uh, my friend, Tom Law. And after that, from the Daily Racing Forum, Eric Wing. If you've listened to this show before, you know that these guys do know their stuff. And uh, they are on top of the horses, hopefully going to bring you a slew of winners. As speaking of a slew of winners... Winning Ponies is going to help you out because we're having another free contest. Just go to winningponies.com. doesn't cost you anything. It's for the Belmont Stakes. Put your selections in. You'll see it. It's easy to read. Uh, top price, $200 cash. After that, we're going to be selling our easy win forms, or at least credits for them. Uh, second place will get $75 winning credit. Uh, third, 50 Fourth, 25 And then... Hope that the Pharaoh gets it done because 5th through 12th are going to get $2 win tickets on the Belmont Park on American Pharaoh. And the closest final time is going to get a winning ponies T-shirt. Again, I'll pull down those uh, easy win forms, and hopefully you'll get some easy winners. Had some big ones, again, from coast to coast out at Golden Gate. We had $1 super box that paid over 3700 Then at Mountaineer, a uh, $0.50 cent Super 5 paid 3138 Let's go down to Gulfstream. How about this hit? Super 5 paid 9982 And speaking of what's going to happen in New York at Belmont, went to Belmont, $7,406. So winningponies.com. Not only do you want to pull down your easy win forms, but you want to join our contest this week. Now, the Belmont Stakes coming up looks like we are going to have a field of eight. I, uh, American Pharaoh, if you've been following it this week, uh, has been having very strong breezes uh, down at Churchill Downs. People very impressed with the way uh, he does it so effortlessly and how he gallops out so strongly. So some people say it was a combination of that and a few other things uh, happened on the side. Um, so if... Uh, if the field of eight holds, it would be the smallest Belmont field since 2007 when seven ran against, and the Philly Rags to Riches beat Curlin. 
Uh, if American Pharaoh does prevail against his seven rivals, he will have defeated 31 different challengers in the three races, second only among Triple Crown sweeps to War Admiral, who beat 32 horses. So only one horse off for American Pharaoh. Uh, certainly he has uh, taken on all challengers, and we're going to find out from our experts what they think about uh, his chances coming up here uh, on Saturday. Just to uh, compare some other horses, as far as the uh, 31 challengers for American Pharaoh, affirmed had beat 20 different runners in his uh, sweep at 78. Seattle Slough faced 29 rivals in 77, and Secretariat 21 in 1973. So we'll have plenty of Belmont chatter here. I know a lot of you guys are uh, into the handicapping contest, so... uh, the uh, new uh, contest, go to the NTRA and find out, but the National Thoroughbred Racing Association says the 17th Daily Racing Form NTRA National Championship will be held Thursday, January 28th to Saturday, January 30th in 2016. So go up there. There's been a couple rule changes, and I think you'll be interested in getting into that. If you're listening to this show, you're a player. Hats off to our Jockey of the Week. It was John Davila Jr., and pretty much unless you live between Buffalo and Syracuse, you're not sure who he is, but he is the king of Finger Lakes, and he's certainly a recognized name there. He had 11 wins from just 16 starters and got Jockey's Guild Jockey of the Week. Uh, The 51-year-old native of Puerto Rico uh, absolutely dominates there. When he won his milestone 3,000th victory, only 47 of those victories came at other racetracks. So the king of central New York, John Davilia Jr., uh, gets our nod. Well, again, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the Belmont Stakes and the amazing, amazing undercard uh, and the multiple wagers and the seated pools. Uh, we'll, uh, we're going to be handicapping uh, pretty much all grade one racers uh, after we talk to uh, – to Mike Battaglia, uh, the Woody Stevens is race three. That's a grade two at seven furlongs. And uh, you've got some horses in there coming out of the Peter Pan and uh, some other good races in New York. Uh, then the uh, Jayapur Invitational, that's a grade three, dashing six furlongs. Power Alert versus Bellarmine looks like a great matchup in there uh, from that card, and again, we're going to have all kinds of multiple races. We are going to look at the Ogden Phipps, the grade one at a mile and a sixteenth. Untappable going in there, but Wedding Toast is hot right now. I'll be asking Tom Law who he likes in there. A pretty pretty uh, good field in against that bunch. Uh, the sixth race is going to be the Brooklyn Invitational. That's a grade two going a mile and a half. Then another grade one, the TVG Acorn. This is an interesting group of a lot of horses that ran in the to be in there. Um, then uh, the uh, Longines just a game. That's a mile on the turf. Another top, top race. Then we go up to the Met Handicap. It used to be called the, the Met Mile. You've got uh, horses like uh, uh, Tonalist in there. And uh, then on, of course, to the Manhattan at Belmont Park. And then we're going to lead right on up to the Belmont Stakes. So with no further ado, let's take a quick break here. Um, 
just before we do, last week's results uh, with Jeremy Balin from the Blood Horse. We went to the Santa Anita. The American Oaks was won by Spanish Queen. The Californian uh, went to not Moreno, who chased the whole way, but just behind Moreno was Hard Aces, got the job done. Big Casanova finishing off the board after setting the pace. And then the Penn National, what a race we said this was going to be, and it turned out to be a three-horse photo finish with Force the Pass and Joel Rosario getting the job done. All right, that's a look at what's happening this week, what happened last week, and we're coming up with one of the top handicappers in the country, Mike Battaglia. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup travers haskell or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money for you your internet flagship station for sports Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a great guy in thoroughbred racing. Unless you started following the sport yesterday, you know who he is, and it is Mike Battaglia, a name that's been attached to racing for decades, certainly in the southern Ohio and Kentucky area, connected with Churchill Downs, a Turfway Park, uh, Keeneland. Uh, Mike, a long-time announcer. You've seen him doing national uh, telecast, and right now he's just, kind of kicking down where where are you mike in duck north carolina john <laughs> must be nice must be nice well i remember i remember the years where i know your tennis partner is a pretty well-known guy too by the name of chris collinsworth who's not afraid to bet a horse uh, every now and then but i understand you guys have switched sports and you had an interesting event recently yeah we, we've switched to golf now by the way we've we've run some horses too we're actually in the process buying another one right now. I think uh, we got Dale Roman looking for us. But yeah, we 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 just play golf. And we play quite often and I guess it was two weeks ago, yeah, not last week. We we were about we were, it was a short par three and uh I was playing against him with my, my me and my partner against him and his partner. Well his partner hit one about four feet from the pin. And he said, Oh Chris at all I said, Man that would have gone in. He said, we ought to make a rule that if anybody gets a hole-in-one, it ought to be worth at least a couple hundred per man. And we said, he's had three hole-in-ones in his life, all right? None of us had ever had a hole-in-one. 
We said, you're, you're the only one that even comes close. He said, well, I haven't had one in a long time. Puts the ball on the tee, and I swear to you, knocked it in the hole. I, he, <laughs> it, it, was, it was unbelievable. So it was his fourth hole-in-one. He got back to the, uh, the clubhouse, and we, have a, we play at a place called Tradition, and uh, we have a hole-in-one club. There was $1,100 in the pot. So he wins the $1,100, but uh, being the guy he is, he... Uh, Bought a round of drinks and then split the rest of it between the staff. That is a good man. Chris is a good guy. And and I know yeah. I can go back to the days with uh, Turk Schonert and, of course, the guy that's now a very uh, well-known restaurateur. You see the name on a, a lot of winning pants in the big grade one races, Jeff Ruby. Uh, they they were back in, in horse racing back in the early 80s. And I understand you're kind yeah, of – that's great fact, that you guys I, are teaming bought, up again. I bought their first horse from Tommy Gentry, uh, uh, a horse named Controversial, and she, yes. she actually won the um, uh, Cincinnati Trophy Stakes at uh, back then it was Latonia, and I and I called the race. So yeah, we 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 go way back. Jeff's uh, Jeff's been on this horse uh, that we're buying this time too. Jeff Rubius, we got a lot of guys in on this one. Well, that's good. That, that's an, an interesting uh, a partnership for sure. Well, Mike, uh, you've been around so many big races all your life with uh, your national broadcast and, of course, just your, your handicapping skills and the years you've been at the big tracks, uh, yeah, Churchill and Keeneland, and we're coming up on this Belmont Stakes. Um, has, has, has American Pharaoh uh, drawn your eye? If you made the line... Would you have made him three to five against this group that apparently he's pretty much spanked most of them? Oh, definitely three to five from the probably less. He, uh, they, they really shouldn't beat this horse. But that being said, the triple crown is what he's going up against. He's not going. He, this field is is not what's going to beat uh, American Pharaoh. It's the five races. I, 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 you know, the, the three races in five weeks. I think it's his fifth race in like eight weeks, or nine weeks. I mean, that's just a lot of racing, and it's Big Sandy. It's the it's the uh, mile and a half of Big Sandy, and a couple of uh, little known facts. You know that every Triple Crown winner so far in history has had at least one start at Belmont Park. Not him. Wow! And these guys didn't he's, even he's train not over started. it. He has not started at Belmont, and. Uh, it, it's just a tough thing to do. I was, we're looking over some stats. To just just winning the Derby in the Belmont is it's it's so hard to do. You know when the last Derby winner to win the Belmont was? It was not, It was twenty years ago. Thunderbolt is the last horse that made, had, won the Derby and the Belmont. The last and, horse. And we know it goes back to an almost neighbor of yours, Steve Cawthon, 1978, 37 years ago, when somebody actually won the Triple Crown. Won the Triple Crown, yeah. That was, uh, that was a firm. That was the first derby I called. I called a firm, the Aladars Derby. That was the first derby I called back in 1978. How exciting is that? Well, as much yeah, as, let's it, face it, it if you look at the PPs and you look at the buyer numbers, uh, he he does stand out like a sore thumb against this field. Uh, do you see a, a scenario, perhaps, with with Todd Pletcher sending materiality to potentially set it up for Made from Lucky? Of course, uh, you know everybody. Uh, Mood Tahij is the mystery horse. We know he's bred to go the distance, but the the people that he competed against abroad 
somewhat questionable. And then you've got the fast-closing derby winner, Frosted. But horses like that, and Mike, I know you've seen this a lot in the derby, where a horse makes a huge run, and everybody says, boy, wait till he gets to the Belmont, and it never happens. Yeah. If, 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 if there's a horse on paper that can beat him, it's materiality. Uh, this horse had a horrible trip in the derby. I went back and watched this this, this race at least a dozen times. First, he doesn't break well. Then he, he's in some kind of position. When they, at the quarter pole, he's dropped back. He's got like one horse feet at the quarter pole. I thought he was going to be dead last. He came running at the end and finished sixth. I thought he ran a much, much better race than Frosted did. I, I think Materiality is going to be a solid second choice in the race myself. Uh, I didn't like him at all in the Kentucky Derby because I, that, that Gulfstream Park, form, to me, is always phony. It's such a speed-favoring track, and you see all these horses with speed run well at Gulfstream and then come to Churchill, and it's just not the same type track. So I didn't like him at all. I was really impressed by the race that he ran. This horse is a speed horse. He was, like I said, he had one horse beat at the top of the stretch, and he was flying by horses. I I thought he just ran a heck of a race. So I think he's going to be more like four to one second choice in there. I think that, that he, on paper, to me, he's the only one that can beat him. He's been training great. I got so much respect for Pletcher. And, you know, he hasn't raced since the Derby. He's only had four career starts. So this is a, one of those three-year-olds that I think could really improve. And uh, uh, of the ones, talent-wise, that I think have a chance, materiality would be the only one. Now, again, that being said, I, I don't think he's as good as American Pharaoh. But if American Pharaoh is knocked out, if he's not ready to get that mile and a half, this is the horse. And also, uh, Materiality will be reunited with John Velasquez, the only rider ever to win on him. All three of those victories uh, down in Florida, Johnny B was in the saddle. Uh, Carpe Diem, they're going to rest him up and find something else for him. So, uh, yeah, certainly a, a horse that, uh, you know, could, could do it because, let's face it, like you said, American Pharaoh isn't necessarily running against the other seven horses in here. He, he's running against the history of this race. Exactly. And you mentioned Johnny V. He's one, probably the best rider when it comes to big races. I just absolutely love the guy. I think he's, uh, uh, he, I think he's the top rider right now in the country. And he had a hard time choosing between Carpe Diem and Materiality in the Derby. I talked to him at Keeneland and, uh, he thought Materiality had more talent, raw talent, but he didn't think he'd be ready for a race like the Kentucky Derby. And that, that was another reason where I thought his race was was that good to, to do what he did. Also, uh, talking to Dale, I mentioned Dale uh, Romans. He's uh, going to buy our next horse. We're looking right now. Uh, he, he's really high on Keen Ice. And I respect Dale. He, get, he knows how to get a horse ready for a big race. Of course, you know, he won the Preakness a few years back. But... Uh, this horse, you know, he ran seventh in the in the Derby. He's only won one race in his life. He's training as well as he's trained. Uh, his wife Tammy rides, uh, uh, trains this horse. She's really high on the horse. I, I mean, he's going to be twenty, thirty to one, and I, I wouldn't hesitate to throw him in my gimmicks at all because I, I, I think he could be sitting on a big race also. Yeah, and uh, certainly one to one to be respected. I know he's got some nice horses on on the undercard too. 
And uh, I'm not going to go into the undercard, but I know you've probably taken a peek. Is this going to be an amazing day of racing? Some people are thinking, well, you know, they, they kind of mess with tradition. But on the other hand, boy, if you're a horse player, you're in horse heaven on Saturday. Oh, yeah, it's 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 a great undercard. It really is. You've mentioned a couple of the races. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, I've been a Byron fan for a lot. I loved him in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And uh, I was happened to be standing in the paddock with a Baffert with, you know, it, Byron, Byron ran on the, the undercard on Derby Day. And we were standing there before. He, he always likes to sit back in the paddock and watch the race. And it was about two minutes to post. And we were talking about Byron. He said, man, this is really good horse. I said, yeah. He is. I said, he, he should he should jump on this. And he said, I'll tell you. He said, I wish I had gotten another work in him. He said, maybe even two. He said, and I'm just worried about Garcia not coming out of the gate. He said, this horse doesn't come out of the gate. He won't run. And as the gate open Byron didn't take he, he he didn't break well he just he, he was finished dead last and then Bob was just shaking his head he said God he said that he said I'm gonna have this horse ready next time out so you can throw that last race out on Byron at Churchill and expect a big race from Byron uh, uh he's going in the uh in the uh, uh the Met Mile so uh, oh, I man think, uh, I know that yeah that, they don't call it that anymore but it is a Met Mile to me He's going to be very tough to beat in there. And in the, um, I'll tell you what, that uh, uh, ball dancing, that silly of uh, Chad Brown, it's going to take a lot to beat her. She was one of the most impressive winners we had at Keeneland uh, when she won the Jenny Wiley. It's going to take a lot to beat her. But uh, Mark Cassie's got a horse in there, Teppin, Leperoux's riding it. She, yep. won, she won on uh, Derby Day in the Churchill Distaff. She ran a huge race that day. Uh, she's won two in a row now. She doesn't have the credentials some of these other horses have got. I'm not sure she can be ball dancing, but she's got a big shot in there. Well, Mike, I can't thank you enough for your time, especially since you're on your vacation. I really, really appreciate it. I uh, look forward to seeing you in person in Kentucky sometime in the near future. Thanks so much. Anytime, John. Okay. We've been talking to Mike Taglia. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to Tom Law. And he's going to be breaking down the Belmont and two other grade one races. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, obviously, one of my favorite guests, or I wouldn't call out to him, uh, so many times that I've had. He was the managing editor of the Thoroughbred Times. He's uh, won the Eclipse Award. Uh, he's, he's hooked up with Joe and Sean Clancy, award-winning themselves. And uh, you may got to go to his website. This is horse racing. These guys cover it from go to woe. So with no further ado, a guy who I understand is at Belmont Park, Tom Law. How are you doing? I'm doing great, John. How are you doing tonight? I'm actually, I'm driving in Long Island. Well, I'm not driving myself. I'm my friend, my great friend, Greg Charcutian, who's a big former guest of yours. Is He and I are driving. And we're going to dinner tonight. Well, give him a pat on the back for me. I love Greg. He does outstanding work. He's a hardworking guy and another Eclipse Award winner himself. The show's just chock full of them. Well, uh, before we get on to a couple races I tagged you to kind of look at, and uh, mm-hmm. I tell Greg to drive carefully, um, let's get your quick take uh, on, A, Belmont Park, how are the track conditions, how are the races playing today, and how are things looking for Saturday? Today looked pretty fair, I thought, um, and I think the weather forecast has really improved as the week's gone on. I was packing uh, from Saratoga on Tuesday when I came down, and uh, I brought a couple of raincoats with me. I don't think I'm going to need them uh, on Saturday. Although, you know, I, you hear a lot of conflict, conflicting reports, and as you know, this this time of year, springtime in the Northeast, it, it changes kind of dramatically overnight. So uh, it's looking pretty good. You know, obviously, I think it's going to be a little bit warmer than it has been the last few days. It's been a little chilly here. It's kind of nice spring temperatures. I mean, it's probably in the the mid upper 60s today. And uh, it's cooling right down tonight. So it's, it's been probably really nice for the horses. I know it's been nice out uh, training them the last few days. Well, that's good to hear, although I'm sure Bob Baffert wouldn't care if it rained a little bit either with the performance we saw of American Pharaoh uh, in, right. in, in, in the Preakness Stakes. So let's uh, get your read. I'm going to try to squeeze in three races. I know that's asking mm-hmm. a lot, but it's just, just a great card. But we got to we got to start with, with, with the Belmont Stakes. Tom Law, give me your read on the race. Well, I, before I came and the, this week, I kept thinking, you know, American Pharaoh had a lot of races. Uh, he's run, you know, he's been going steady March, April, two races in May. Now he's coming to the Preakness or he's coming to the Belmont. Maybe he's worn out a little bit. I, I've seen him the last two mornings. Doesn't really look like a horse that's tired out to me. Uh, he's looked like a horse all year that's just better than everybody else in, the, in his generation. And I was having a hard time really kind of coming up with somebody to beat him. Uh, I'm not necessarily the kind of handicapper that's always trying to beat the favorite by trying to, you know, make a name for myself by trying to pick, oh, I think this horse is definitely going to win. I just think he's he's that much better than the rest. And, uh, you know, so right now, if you ask me, I I would say he's my pick. Just because I, I don't really know any of the other horses in this, you know, the other seven horses are going to be able to get the job done against him. I, I do think there's some good horses, and I, I think there's some, some that are maybe on the improve. I think a horse like uh, Taylor Verve is kind of going in the right direction. I know Dallas was really high on him 
going into the Preakness, maybe looking at him as a Belmont horse. And I think Made from Lucky, who's Todd Fletcher's other horse, I think Materiality is kind of the buzz horse because of the bad trip in the Derby. But I think Made from Lucky had, uh, you know, the good prep race in the Peter Pan that looks pretty good. And Javier Castellano, of course, is, can do, really do no wrong this year. So I think Made from Lucky might be a possible spoiler uh, type horse. And uh, maybe as a little bit of a price, maybe the Moob Taiz, the horse that trained here for the last five weeks, I think he could be okay too. Well, I, I can't disagree with you at any point. And obviously, materiality, I got to put a line through his derby. If that's the case, he may keep mm-hmm. American Pharaoh busy on the front end to set it up for Made from Lucky. And as you recall, I don't have my American Racing Manual in front of me, but I believe that a guy by the name of Woody Stevens used to use the Peter Pan as a pretty good springboard for his Belmont winners. Absolutely, it's a great you know it's a great prep. It's uh, Tonalist came out of the race last year and uh, he won the Peter Pan. He ended up winning the in, winning the Belmont and uh, Lemon Drop Kid. Uh, you know back in '99, who spoiled charismatic uh, bid for the Triple Crown. He also prepped in there and AP Indy way back when he missed the Derby in '92 and he came back and they had him ready and they prepped him in the Peter Pan and he came back and won the Belmont too. So the Peter Pan is a is a very useful prep race and I do think. Uh, this year, it could be as well. There's really only one horse coming out of the Peter Pan this year, and that, that's the winner made from Lucky. So he could he could be tough in the Belmont, and he trains at Belmont all the time. So that makes a big difference. I, I was kind of shocked, and, you know, Mike Battaglia, uh, who preceded you, pointed something out that no horse had ever won the Belmont that had not run at Belmont. Mm-hmm. And, no horse uh, had ever won the Belmont, and, and when they, and they, they won the Triple Crown, right, without ever having raised it. At Belmont Park, yeah, that's a great stat. That's a good. I, 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 I wonder if anybody brought best, that to right? Baffert's attention. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, I've I asked you to kind of help tackle. It's got such a great undercard. Obviously, uh, Diagon's Phipps has brought out a champion uh, in her own right. Untappable is going to be in there. Uh, John Velasquez uh, riding for Steve Asmussen. As we know, she, you know. Kind of surprised everybody with her uh, one to nine defeat in the Azari, but came right back and showed how dominant she was at Oakland Park with the Apple Blossom. Uh, she's been rested since then, a series of solid workouts. Uh, has only raced once at Belmont, and that was a win in the Mother Goose at a mile and a sixteenth. And she's going to be asked to go the same distance on Saturday. Uh, Wedding Toast appears to be the main threat. Want to get Tom Law's read on this? Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's kind of untappable versus maybe the first four horses from the Ruffian, uh, including Wedding Toast, who who loves it at Belmont. She's three for four at Belmont, you know, with a second, and that second place was a, a second place finish in her very first start of her career. And uh, Karen McLaughlin trains her, and um, she, you know. She, like I said, she's done really nothing wrong, and Karen's having a great meet at Belmont so far, as he as he often does. When his barn is going well, it's it's really going well. He won a race today, and uh, I do think Wedding Toast is going to be pretty tough, but Untappable is, you know, Untappable is Untappable. I think the, you, she can be excused maybe for her first race of the year. She had a great campaign last year. She wasn't maybe you know she wasn't quite tip top in her debut, and the horse that beat her at Oakland, Gold Medal Dancer, is a a good quality horse, and she came back and and proved herself in the grade one quality in the apple blossom. So, you know, she's going to be pretty tough. It's a tough betting race, you know, with only six in the race. But, uh, you know, I do think Wedding Toast, you know, could give her a pretty good run. And Karen ran well in this race last year, too. 
Well, it'll be fun either way. It's going to be day of a couple uh, champions with, with, with Bayern there, too. Um, but uh, it, it'll be fun. I'm so glad the Winchells uh, kept uh, untappable, you know, back in training. It's not like Absolutely. these guys needed the mm-hmm. money. So I thought that was uh, very much of a good sportsmanship effort on uh, Winchell Thoroughbred's part. Another race that I asked you to take a look at sure isn't as easy as the one we just mentioned, and that is the Grade 1 TVG Acorn at a mile. Uh, this has a very interesting field coming together. Several of them, they competed against each other in the Kentucky Oaks. A couple horses coming from all over the place, like uh, uh, By the Moon would be an example. Uh, and then you've got uh, you know Wonder Gal, who... Uh, was competed in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies last year, was only beaten a length, uh, finished second to By the Moon in the Frisette. Uh, Ocean Waves throwing blinkers on. You've got uh, Phillies that were nominated the Triple Crown. Um, how do you look at the at this race? you got undefeated Miss Ella that could be on the improve out of the Grand Motion Barn. I, I think, again, if you're looking for a price, this, this could be a race, the, the TVG Acorns. Oh, John, you're right. I mean, wow. I mean, what a race. I mean, this kicks off kind of a, a good sequence of events. I mean, this is race number seven on the car, the Belmont's race number 11. I mean, it's just like loaded from here on out. I mean, the undercard is great right up to this race, too. I mean, we talked about the first, the Ogden fifth. That's a great race. But this race, I mean, 12 horses in here. Of course, you mentioned several of them. You also, uh, one horse, Promise Me Silver, is eight for eight. Uh, you know, she's five to one on the morning line and she's eight for eight. I mean, how often do you ever see that? She was five to one last time and she was seven for seven going into the eight bells on uh, Kentucky Oaks day. Uh, trainer Brett Calhoun, I was hoping to catch up with him today because I knew I was going to be on the show and we were going to talk about it. I missed, uh, I missed him today to talk about her, but you know, I don't, I don't know that I really needed to with considering she's eight for eight running at all different tracks, Churchill, Oakland. Sam Houston, Ratama, Fairgrounds, Churchill, Lone Star. She's run all over the place. And like you said, Miss Ella is another horse. She's also undefeated, two for two. Grand Motion scratched her out of the Miss Preakness, which was probably an easy spot for, you know, uh, 200,000 or so two, three weeks ago at the Preakness. He wanted to run in this race, grade one. She's only run, run two times. But for second star, she ran in a grade two race at the Beaumont Stakes at Keelan and, and was very impressive in there. And then you got the Kentucky Oaks runner-up, shook up. She's seven to two, so she's probably, you know, going to be the horse maybe to beat. She's second in the Kentucky Oaks. I actually saw her schooling uh, today during the races at Keeneland, and uh, I, I, I was trying to have a hard time trying to pick up the name on her halter while they were schooling her. And she's a very striking gray filly, and I kept, I was like, who is that gray filly in the paddock? I just kept looking and looking and looking, and finally I was, I caught her at the very end, and I saw the name on there. I said, shook up, and I was like, man. What a, I mean, she's a phenomenally looking uh, filly uh, by Tappet. Of course, Steve Asmussen uh, needs no introduction. Regis Racing is, is uh, loaded. And uh, the other horse that you mentioned, I, I like Wonder Gal in there a little bit. She's 12 to 1. She was, uh, you know, a good third last year in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. She's getting Gary Stevens, uh, you know, breaking from post two, Leah Giamatti. I don't think she was totally cranked up for her debut. You know, Leah's uh, Alan Jerkins uh, protege uh, maybe didn't have her fully, fully cranked for that race, maybe thinking about uh, the acorn. I don't think Leah was ever thinking about the Kentucky Oaks with her. So, like, maybe thinking about the acorn down the road. So, Wonder Gal could be, you know, a, a great value. She's 12 to 1 in the line. But with all these other great horses in the race, 
a horse like her coming off a fourth place finish uh, with great spacing, though. Two months since that race, I think Leah's probably done a, a, a great job getting her ready right here for the for the TVG Acorn. I think she could be tough, but there's probably like five horses that I didn't even mention that have a great chance in here. This is this is a, a really one of the best races on the card, without a doubt. Absolutely, and it carries a seven hundred and and fifty thousand dollar purse. Uh, this is one for our listeners who are going to have to be betting, you know, across multiple races um, w- with a couple of standouts in there, like Untappable and America Pharaoh. You know, do you use some of those as anchors? And this is the race where you're going to have to go pretty thick in. I mean, because yeah. you, you just stated the case for for at least five of these horses, and there's probably whoever wins it. If it's if it's one we didn't talk about, you can still make a case for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're when you're at this stage of the game and you're talking about undefeated horses that are are prices, you know, like five, four, five, six to one. Even though it's a twelve horse field, I mean that's that says something to the quality of the field. And and now Miss Ella is only a two for two undefeated horse, but Promise Me Silver is an eight for eight type undefeated horse. That's that's a little different than two for two. I mean, you can go two for two, and it's kind of and, and she's good. I'm not saying she's not good, but. Uh, eight for eight is a whole different ball game, and if she's five, six to one, you, I mean, she's a horse that you definitely have to use. Well, Tom, uh, anything uh, new we should know about your popular racing website? This is horse racing. I assume there'll be full Belmont coverage on there this week after you uh, finish your job in the press box. Absolutely, we are. Uh, we're doing we do picks uh, both Friday and Saturday of all the stakes at Belmont, uh, Sean. Clancy and Joe Clancy and I, we do kind of a little, you know, friendly rivalry handicapping contest for all the stakes races. Uh, Sean and Joe are actually tied at the top for the lead, and I'm just a couple races back. We do the Friday, Saturday of the, you know, Derby weekend, Preakness weekend, Belmont weekend. So um, getting ready to pull the trigger on that and put those up tonight. Um, that'll be pretty good. And then, you know, we're getting close, John, to uh, after uh, – the Belmont is run, then everybody really kind of starts to think about, well, what's later on in the summer? And then we got Saratoga, of course. Opening day at Saratoga is seven weeks from tomorrow. So, of course, we we also produce the Saratoga Special newspaper, and uh, we, we have that available online at thisishorseracing.com. Every day of the meet, we actually have it up on our website the night before. It actually comes out in print at the racetrack. So, um if you want to learn all that there is to know about Saratoga Racing, we're only seven weeks down the road. Uh, but in the meantime, like you said, we're going to have full team coverage of the Belmont. Joe and Sean are both coming in uh, from Maryland and Virginia. Sean's already here today. He was uh, working on the uh, HRRN broadcast. And uh, Sean's been out there watching all the horses train, so I'm sure he's going to have some great insight uh, on the site as well this week, leading right up till Saturday at 6 or so p.m. for the Belmont. All right. We've been talking with Tom Law. Remember, the website is This Is Horse Racing. Tom, thanks so much. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be with the Daily Racing Forms. Eric Wing, you're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a gentleman that is no stranger uh, to uh, the listeners at Winning Ponies, and that's Eric Wing. Uh, he's done a little bit of everything from uh, from uh, Naira to the Daily Racing Form. Uh, I've had him on my uh, television show as, as a handicapper where he's nailed some, uh, some big long shots. Uh, he was, uh, what I was most impressed when I first met him years ago at Tucson, that he was the senior staff editor at Reader's Digest, the world's largest circulation magazine. And he's a graduate at Dartmouth College. The only other graduate I know of Dartmouth College is now a car dealer uh, at the Bellagio. So with no further ado, Eric Wing, how are you, my friend? I'm good, John. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. The, the weather's been nice. The pollen's gone. You know, I'm not coughing on the radio anymore. So, well, we're doing good. We're back racing live. So, uh, you know, the, the world is my oyster. Well, the world is uh, all horse racing fans' oyster right now because we're on the precipice, win, loser, draw of what is always, as far as I'm concerned, the most exciting moment in our and that's when a horse has an opportunity to win the Triple Crown like American Pharaoh does. To me, uh, the analogy that I give people, John, is as soon as you walk into the racetrack or your OTB or whatnot, the feeling you get, it's almost like walking into a baseball stadium knowing in advance that the pitcher is going to carry a perfect game into the ninth inning. That's the level of tension and anticipation that present pretty much the whole day well uh very very well stated and um i guess uh, you know all of us i believe for the most part in in the racing industry are are, are rooting for a triple crown winner because we feel that it will you know bring the eyes of the nation back and, and hopefully you know create uh a new excitement but let's face it with that said should American Pharaoh win the Belmont Stakes, odds on he'll make two, maybe three starts the rest of his life. Yeah, and then the question becomes, you know, what does that do for the sport? If, and, you know, that could be even generous, John. I, I, I do think Ahmed Zayat has said he'll run two or three times, but, um, you know, the horse would be worth an awful lot of money at, as a stallion. So if the slightest thing went wrong after one start or even after the Belmont, um, who's to say the horse would stay around and keep racing? You know, with each loss um, or each uh, blemish on the resume, so to speak, 
that that could hurt the stud value or the the future stud fee. So it is a it is a double edged sword for the sport. Some people think the best thing for the sport is to keep having these near misses. You know these. California Chrome and Big Brown, where they win the first two and everybody pays attention at least, um, kind of keeping people thirsting for more and kind of, you know, the longer it goes without being won, the more excited everybody gets. But anyway, 37 years is long enough. Let's see it take place. Okay, so um, what you are saying, if I'm reading through the lines, is Versus this field, American Pharaoh does look every bit of his odds. Yeah, what you're hearing me saying, John, is I'd love to see the Triple Crown won. Um, it's been too long, or it, it's been long enough. Having said that, though, I feel like I've seen this movie before. Um, <laughs> a horse, you know, comes in, the California-based, um, comes to New York and gets knocked off by a New York-based horse. Um, so while my heart will be with American Pharaoh, my money will be on Frosted. Um, I do think he, I, I don't think it's clear that, that he ran any worse a race in the Derby than American Pharaoh did. Um, I thought I liked his Derby a lot. I think he's bred better for the, for the mile and a half. And I do think that one of the two Pletcher horses, either made from Lucky or more likely Materiality, will be dogging American Pharaoh around the track. And that would be, if, if I'm right about that, that would, no, would not be any cheap speed chase in American Pharaoh. That would be a quality horse in materiality. I think Frosted's going to be the beneficiary of that and will win, but I'd love to be wrong. We'll find out, but you're right. We might be uh, put, putting the nickel in the slot and hitting replay again. But uh, for, for all of us, uh, I, I hope that is, that is not the, the, the case. Well, let me see if I've uh, picked a... A couple of races, I mean, it's just a, a, a truly amazing uh, undercard. And I, I think one of the races that we were going to cover was what's now called the Metropolitan Handicap. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this used to be the Met Mile for 122 years. And that's will be carded as the ninth race and brought out a very talented field. Yeah, it, it, John, it's always been the Metropolitan Handicap, but it's it, the, the, the slang name or the, what it's been known as is the Met Mile, but it's always been a handicap. Um, it's actually this year, if we want to be, um, be precise, it's the Naira.com Metropolitan Handicap. So um, it's kind of like the track giving its own corporate sponsorship to itself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but Met, Metropolitan Handicap, Met Mile, whatever you want to call it, it's one of, like you just said, a handful. I, I wouldn't call it a good race. I call it one of several mind benders on the card. Um, you know, I, I know you, you kind of discussed various races with Mike Battaglia and Tom Law, and it's really one of those days that, other, you know, other than maybe races one and three, which came up short, um, Every race is really good and a really challenging handicapping puzzle. Um, but en- enough of the uh, bouquets uh, <laughs> to Martin Panza and everybody at, uh, in the racing office at uh, Naira for putting this card together. When it gets down to the nitty-gritty of picking a winner in the, uh, in the Metropolitan Mile, you know, we, we, we see a lot of horses that did some great things at Belmont last year, you know, Bayern, was so impressive and really got his year 
um, started for all intents and purposes by winning the Woody Stevens last year on Belmont Day with a 108 buyer. Oh, look, there's Tonalist in the field. All he did last year was win the Belmont Stakes, um, private zone, um, though not a, he's two for two at Belmont. And unfortunately for him, he drew the rail. He's probably going to have to gun. Bayern will probably keep him company. He threw in that stinker at Churchill um, on Derby Day. But, you know, he, he is the Breeders' Cup Classic winner, for goodness sake. So that's interesting. Um, honor code for Suge McGahee. Um, he uh, beat Private Zone two back in the Gulfstream Park handicap. Kobe's back just won the Commonwealth. Wicked Strong didn't even get to him. Um, he's been a perennial top horse, won the Jim Dandy last year, won the Wood Memorial last year. Um, what a terrific field. Uh, having said that, um, I'm going to go with kind of a fuzzy horse in Tamar Coos. Ah, uh, I was wondering why his name hadn't come up yet. You know, I, and I know you've seen this happen where horses will come over from Europe with seven wins and they have earnings of $28,000. Yeah. Well, this horse comes over with seven wins and is just shading a million dollars. So I got a feeling this uh, Tom Arcuse has faced some pretty top horses across the pond. Well, he won six hundred grand uh, in his last race, winning the Godolphin Mile on Dubai World Cup Day. Um, it's one of these horses, John, if you look at your racing form, you're not going to see running lines. But he has kind of broken slowly in two out of his last uh, four races, or two of his last five starts. Um, but he's more of a speed horse. He's not a run-and-gun to the lead, but having watched his races today, if he can break sharp, and he probably wants to sit third or fourth. But some things to remember, um, you know, in that Godolphin mile he won, there were a couple of familiar names that ran eighth and 13th, respectively, Prayer for Relief and Braidster. So he, he thrashed some familiar names. He's coming over here for Kieran McLaughlin, who's deadly with these um, imports, uh, won four for his last five. Uh, such uh, making their debut in North America. Um, horse is getting Lasix for the first time. The horse is shedding seven pounds, will run at 119. Um, and, and McLaughlin's imports tend to fire their very best shot first time out as long as they're getting Lasix. So, and I, I'm a big tonalist fan. He's a perfect four for four at Belmont. Had a beautiful win in the Westchester last out as a prep for the Met Mile. He could easily win, but I think Tamar Cruz is the value. Um, so I'm going to box the two of them, but, but hope that uh, Tamar Cruz wins. And the one thing I'll say about Bayern, this is just <clears throat> not that he can't win, John. He's obviously very accomplished, but it's, it goes against one of my principles of handicapping, and that's betting short-priced horses coming in off bad races. I don't care what he did last year. He he ran poorly last time in his 2015 debut at Churchill Downs. If you're going to bet horses bet, coming in off bad races, get them at long prices, not short prices. Right. Now, uh, earlier Mike Battaglia did say that he talked to Baffert at Churchill Downs and said, you know, he probably needs a work or maybe two before I put him in that race. But I think by that time he w- he was all- he was already committed. Well, as as tough as the Metropolitan Handicap slash Mile is, the Knob Creek Manhattan 
um, which sounds like a delicious drink, quite frankly. Uh, we'll be going a mile and a quarter. It's a grade one, carrying a million-dollar purse, and for those reasons, brought out a big, talented field. Several millionaires in here. Uh, a couple more mystery horses that have been racing in Germany uh, and Italy that that'll be in the field, and then you've got your you know accomplished runners that are just so glad that main sequence stayed out of the races for a while and they got a chance to get get a piece of it in uh, Twilight Eclipse is a horse as I've always liked. I think he's just got such great tactical speed, uh, and he's just so glad that uh, you know he doesn't have to play bridesmaid the main sequence anymore another horse i really like if he gets the pace up front because i like his connections uh in donegal racing is finnegan's wake so that those are just two i'll mention but this is another talent laden field it is john by the way is there bourbon in a manhattan i'm not sure i'm not sure either but i'll take knob creek if it's put on top of ginger ale <laughs> it's, it's, I love Knob Creek also. I know there's vermouth in Manhattan, in a Manhattan, but I'm, I can't remember the other stuff. Anyway, getting back to the race, um, you said something that I think is sort of my entry into the race. Main sequence isn't here. And, yes, I, you know, I do think main sequence is the best grass horse in America. And when you look at the morning line odds in this race, you know, the favorites are... Twilight Eclipse, Finnegan's Wake, War Dancer, Big Blue Kitten. Um, most of those horses, I think, would really have their hands full with main sequence. Certainly, Twilight Eclipse has been beaten uh, one, two, three, four, five times by him. What I'm getting at is I don't think this is an A-level grade one field compared to what we might see in, say, you know, the Sword Dancer or the Arlington Million or the Breeders' Cup Turf. So I see it as a little more wide open. Um, the the Man of War that Twilight Eclipse won, that was a real strange race. Um, Hardest Core didn't run a step. Imagining had a horrible trip. It was a very slow pace. Um, the horses that ran 1-2 were 1-2 around the track. I'm willing to play against Twilight Eclipse and, for that matter, War Dancer, as you know, their last race was kind of a... a a function of the pace scenario, and I don't think they're going to have as, as easy a cakewalk of a trip this time around. Um, the horse I'm interested a little bit in is Hyper at, on the rail. Um, now, he comes out of that same man of war, but he was uh, he, he basically ran in place all the way around the track. He was third. He really couldn't make a move into those slow fractions. Um, he hadn't raced in a year and a half, so I think it's it's fair to say he could have needed that race. The other thing I'll point out to your listeners, and for some reason it didn't make the comment line in the racing form or in the, uh, it's in the chart, but it didn't make the shorthanded comment line in the racing form. This horse did break through the gate before the race in the Man of War. You know, how, how much did that cost him? I don't know, but it couldn't have been a good thing. So right. Hyper, Chad Brown, one at the track, you know, he beat Finnegan's Wake at level weights um, back in the Bowling Green in 2013. Now he's getting eight pounds from Finnegan's Wake, who's going to be one of the favorites. To me, Hyper is the value. Um, I do think Big Blue Kitten, one of the other Chad Browns, is always 
um, very reliable, six straight races with triple-digit buyer speed figures. And the one little horse I'm throwing in as a bomb is the eight-horse Biz the Nurse. He, he's a grade one winner in Italy. He came over first start at Gulfstream going a mile and seven sixteenths. He made a powerful move and won impressively. And he just did. He did. Behind he a very ran slow the Elkhorn, pace. And my producer is telling me, John, you got to get out of here or we're not oh. going to get to hear the end of Eric. But, Eric, I do <laughs> want to give a plug for the Daily Racing Forum. You guys are doing a great job. I know DRF Live is going to be uh, on the job uh, all weekend long, and I uh, urge my listeners to go on there. I love what those guys are doing. I love what you're doing at the Forum, and I thank you for being on Winning Ponies. My pleasure, and thanks for doing all those plugs for me, John. <laughs> Got to take care of Eric Wing, uh, Tom Law, and, of course, uh, the legendary Mike Battaglia. I want to thank them all for being on Winning Ponies. Go to our website, folks. We got a Belmont contest. So broadcasting live from Glover's Sports Hunting and Shooting Recording Studio, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.